In the last two years, Ahrefs, a tool that many people in the industry would agree is the best tool for the job, has lived long enough to see itself become the villain, and many now associate the brand with corporate greed. I mean, literally during the opening of Chiang Mai SEO, when I was in the room and Ahrefs was introduced as a top-level sponsor of the conference, someone shouted, Ahrefs fucked us. So how did that happen, and is it justified? And I know what you're probably thinking clicking on this podcast. Atari Hacker has some of the biggest Ahrefs chill, and this is just going to be Ahrefs PR move to justify the way they've behaved in the last few months. And I wouldn't blame you for thinking that. I mean, I'm not best friends with Tim Solo, the CMO of Ahrefs and today's guest, but if we're both attending the same event, you'll often see us together, laughing together and getting along very well. And also, I like Ahrefs. I mean, pricing considerations apart, I do think it is the best tool in the industry and they innovate in ways the competition doesn't. And this is what made this interview particularly difficult for me. On one hand, I have these emotional and financial ties with Ahrefs. They do sponsor us sometimes. On one hand, I have these emotional and financial ties to Ahrefs. I mean, they do sponsor this podcast sometimes. And on the other hand, I have you, the audience, the people without whom this podcast and even our whole company would not exist. And I know that many of you guys are not happy with Ahrefs right now. So my goal, my challenge for this episode was to be the voice of the people, your voice, and try to have a corporate BS-free conversation with someone who's in charge at Ahrefs to try to understand why they did things, if this was the best way to do things, and what they could do differently. So no topic was off the table, and they did not intervene in anything we talked about. We talk about the credit system, whether it was the best solution, and whether it's press gouging or not. We talk about Ahrefs against the competition and the value proposition. Are they even worth the price they're asking for to their customer? And we also talk about their search engine, yep.com, whether it was necessary and whether it's funded by the price increase or not. I held no question back and I tried to have a fair debate with Tim very much in the style of Corey Tubek-Guber when we did the interview on topical authority. And to keep this episode as neutral as possible, Ahrefs is not sponsoring it. Searchintelligence.co.uk is a top digital PR agency and we'll talk about them a little bit later. For now, let's jump right into the conversation and talk about the credit system. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. You go to the gym, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like... How would you feel if the gym, on top of paying a monthly or quarterly fee to join the gym, started charging you for each station you use every single time and started charging you for each rep you do as well, which is basically how the credit system feels right now. Like, do you think it would change the way you work out, even if the price was fair, right? Let's imagine like the total price you pay per month, it's higher, but it's not too bad. But like, how would it change the way you work out? I don't think this metaphor necessarily holds true. Because okay. there are obviously different pricing models. It's like, again, you asked me about the gym. So yeah. my gym is uh, charging me more if I sign for a smaller contract. I mean, if I pay weekly, I pay more. If I sign up mm -hmm. uh, and commit for a year, I pay less. But then I, uh, if I cancel sooner than a year... I have penalties. So oh, by, that logic, then. by that logic, <laughs> if you only want to sign up for one month of HRFs, we should charge you a lot more if you just uh -huh. want one month, as opposed to if you're signing up for a full year. And if you're signing up for, for a full year and you want to cancel, we do a prorated refund. 
but in the case of the gym, we would charge you a penalty for canceling your year later, uh, earlier. So I don't think okay. you can just compare like HRF's credits so, to a gym and like wait, charging wait, wait, wait. for every rep because different businesses have different pricing models. So if I buy HRF for one year now and then six months in, I'm like, I don't need this anymore. Are you going to prorate me six months back? Yeah, yeah. If you... Uh, Pay annually, I believe we have prorated annual refunds. Yeah, I believe so, we do that. So why would I ever buy the, the monthly then? <laughs> like, I think there should be some heuristics there. So yeah, it, it, you, you cannot buy annually and cancel after two months <laughs> and expect us to give you a refund. I think it's it's case-by-case case basis, but generally... I think we for sure give prorated refunds if you want to like upgrade or downgrade, that's for sure. If you just want to cancel, I think we also do this. But yeah, uh, obviously, once people start abusing this, we'll just yeah, close this policy. Maybe we shouldn't have, uh, we shouldn't have Elisa to yeah, the yeah. podcast. But like, I guess it's like fair use, right? Like, I guess in your yeah. terms of condition, you probably should be like, probably not one month, but after at least six months if you want a refund or after three months or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something maybe like something that. like that. Like maybe you put some rules. Yeah, okay, it's interesting. And fair point. And it's like, well, basically, that's essentially, do you want to just introduce the HF's credit system, how it works? Like, I want you to introduce it, not me, so that it's like, it can't say I'm biased or something like this. So, uh, and, and, and essentially, why you guys decided to do that? Yeah, so I, I'll start with why, why we decided to do this. At a certain point, as a company, as a business, you get to the limits of uh, how much you can grow with your current customer base. And we started to feel that we are getting to those limits and we need the kind of... And it's one thing to get to the limits. It's another thing to understand that big companies with large teams, whether these are like agencies or enterprise customers who are using HREFs way more than an individual SEO who is running a bunch of affiliate websites as a side gig while having a full-time job. And those two, let's call them entities, were essentially paying us either the same amount of money or the amount of money that wasn't drastically different compared to their mm -hmm. usage. So an agency with 15 people could easily be using a uh, $400 per month account while some affiliate SEO was using $200 per month account. And uh, their usage was just not comparable. So we realized that we need different pricing. We need usage-based pricing. We need a value metric where we would understand that, okay, this entity, this company is using a lot of our tools and data. They're extracting a lot of value from this. So we need to charge them accordingly. And uh, we understood that the way the platform works, uh, actually it was Dmitry who, who suggested that we should charge for kind of reports whenever you pull data within the interface. And he came up with this idea of credit. So whenever you request data by opening some report or by applying a set of filters to this report, we would charge you a credit. And this is value-based pricing. So it's kind of if you take what email service providers are doing, like MailChimp, I think it's not... Uh, yeah, it's not unique and it's, it's not surprising to anyone mm -hmm. that email service providers would charge you based on how many subscribers you have or how many emails you sent. I believe we HFs, we pay to MailChimp based on how many emails we're, send, we're sending per month. So we might have, I don't know, 300,000 subscribers or something, but if we don't send uh, any emails like in three months, 
then we have lots of kind of unused credits left or whatnot. So it's not surprising for many different businesses to have usage-based pricing, and the more you use something, uh, the more you pay for it. Uh, but for HRFs, I believe in the industry, people just got used to, to, to paying fixed price, uh, and pretty small fixed price, to be honest, compared to to our our investments and what it takes to crawl the entire web and to store it to our servers. So uh, we realized, and this, especially Dmitry as, as the founder and CEO of the business, he realized that going forward, it's just not sustainable what we charge and how much revenue we're generating and our plans to continue innovating, continue expanding and continue hiring more people these things are not aligned and yeah we could do it uh, two ways we could just raise prices and keep them fixed and just like lower the limits and push people to upgrade to higher plans that That's would accommodate SMRush, basically yeah kind of like what SM Russia is doing they increase their prices too it's like nobody's talking about it but prices have also bumped up and they've put more stuff behind like small add-ons at $29 $39 a month etc so they kind of went the other route but yeah I was definitely spending some time for this podcast and I saw it yeah yeah uh, I've seen quite a few tweets where people were saying that uh, SM Russia just sent them an email that you are in a cohort of usage who we're testing like uh, on a higher pricing so we're just bumping your pricing from next month like by 30% or something and uh, nothing like the backslash wasn't the same yes we should take this as a compliment because like how much people are using and loving our software that they take this price increase so personally i would imagine yeah so it's like there's one thing that you say that i kind of disagree with uh, and mm -hmm. that's a very specific situation so you're like oh the small affiliate's paying 200 a month and the small the big company is paying 400 something like this the prime of the reality of seo right now is that when you're a small affiliate you tend to need to do a lot more digging to find good keywords for example it's like if you're the r80 site it's quite easy to find a keyword you potentially can rank for in most industries if you're the R20 site, it's going to take a lot of digging, right? So with the create bait system, I actually spent some time doing keyword research yesterday, right? It's like, I was like, okay, let's just like put myself in these shoes and, and walk that walk and, and essentially do what you guys are saying. So it's like, the way it works is like, if I type a seed keyword in a keyword explorer, it's going to use one credit. Then I'm going to get the data of that keyword, but quite often, if it's a small keyword particularly, it's going to be a bit outdated. Like the sub results won't be the same. Maybe they'll be uh, two weeks old or something like this, two, three weeks old, something like this. I need to pay another credit to update the data on the subs. So I'm using a second credit to get the data here. Then after that, if I want to click on the related keyword, I use another credit. Then let's say I go on the related, you know, I clicked I'm on the related keywords list now, right? Now it's like I'm digging through that list. I need to find low, low competition keywords and KD is not always the best way to find that. You know, it's like, it's a good indicator. It helps keyword difficulty, but it's not perfect. Maybe I need to dig through like 10 keywords to find one that's good, right? Like, you know, check the SERP, the total, the SERP results on that. Every single time I check the SERP, uh, the SERP layout, it uses one credit. So to find one keyword, I'm averaging 15 to 20 credits, basically. Just by doing that, you know, finding a keyword, refreshing the data, checking the related keywords and checking 10 subs. That's more or less like what I would estimate the workflow for finding one viable keyword for an affiliate site is. So if I follow this and I have, I'm on the $99 a month plan, right? I'm a small affiliate, I'm on the cheap plan, I have 500 credits per month. That gives me 33, 33 keywords I can find with all of my credits for $99 per month. Is that a fair value proposition, you think? How much does it cost to write a decent piece of content these days? I would say if you want something decent, probably like 300 bucks, maybe something like this, three, four hundred. One bucks. piece of uh, content. Yeah, 
for like something decent. And it's not even like super, like it's not like wire cutter, right? Wire cutter is like 10 grand. How many pieces of content uh, do you need to kickstart a typical affiliate website? Like we recommend people maybe like at least 30 to 50 pieces, something like this. 30. So that's about 10 grand just in content. Yeah, but most small affiliates don't outsource. They'll start themselves. They'll write themselves. Like it's a it's a time cost, but it's not necessarily like a monetary cost that like less people may have access to at the lower level, you know? Okay, backlinks. I believe a lot of people in the affiliate marketing industry buy backlinks. What's the cost mm. of an average backlink? That depends. Like, you know, if you're just outreaching yourself and negotiating with bloggers, it can be 20 bucks. If you're outsourcing to an agency, it can be 300 for like the classic links like an affiliate blogger would buy. So what would be the, the link building budget to get an affiliate website going? How much money would you need <sighs> Again, to invest? Again, very, very difficult to say because it's going to depend on the niche. And also, again, a lot of this can be done by yourself. I think the problem is like you're just putting a monetary value on things that people do themselves when they get started. But like, let's say you need to answer the question, maybe let's say you need like 30 to 40 good links, I would say, to get started, something like that. But quite often you can cut that cost by getting a um, an age domain or an expired domain or like, you know, buying a domain for 3, 4K or buying one on the good idea auctions for a few hundred dollars and, and get that from the get-go. So let's let's uh, pay attention to the kinds of numbers that we're talking about, like 10 grand in content, a few grand in backlinks, a few grand in buying an expired domain. That's not how people do that usually. They always do something Wait, 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 wait. And how much does it cost to buy 500 extra credits? $35. $35. And they last So what months. are we talking so about? Like everything everything uh, in the SEO industry, no I matter understand. what you do. If you need a custom design for your website, it's easily like a few hundred for sure, dollars. It's, expensive. it's even like a template. If you want a good template, it could be like a couple hundred dollars. Uh, if you need a, to ask a developer, fix something for your website, a couple hundred dollars. Some of the plugins have like monthly costs of, I don't know, 30, 50, 60 uh, dollars. Mm -hmm. So why is it such a big problem that 500 credits cost 34? Yeah, I understand like your arguments about, okay, you need to first open the overview for a keyword and then spend an extra credit to go somewhere else. But extra credit is like one 500 of $35. What is it like 15 cents or whatever? I, I didn't, I didn't do the math on this. It's but pretty cheap. Like it's not really about the, like it's more about the anchored value of what acute research will costs, right? It's more about like, you can't ignore the competitive landscape here and what other tools are offering. And if I just yeah, purely yeah. wanted to do keyword research, right? Forget about the rest. If I purely wanted to do keyword research that way, I think SEMrush interface is a lot worse. They get a lot wrong in their keyword tool, and I hate it. <laughs> For example, they have this authority score thing. They will not show it on the sub breakdown. It's like, I'm like, how can I even analyze this properly? I need to click five times, etc. But if I need to find like a list of 300 keywords, there's no doubt, no doubt that SEO motion is for that one thing in this one scenario, not for everything, gives a lot more value for, uh, give a bit better bang for your buck, basically, you know? And so it's, it's that, the problem. I absolutely agree with you that we cannot ignore the competitive landscape and the HRFs isn't a mo monopoly and uh, doesn't exist in vacuum, which is good. So by raising our prices, we're actually opening the field for a lot of small players, and there are many say, yeah. different keyword research tools out there. 
So we are happy for those keyword research tools, uh, get some of the market share, uh, make some money, innovate, create something useful that uh, someone like Ahrefs or SMRush don't have time or willingness to do for whatever reason. And I'm seeing that, that some of the smaller tools offer some capabilities that seem cool, but if I look at our own roadmap, I don't know when are we ever going to get to that. So yeah, like there's a competitive landscape. We are pricing ourselves out of some uh, some types of customers, but I don't see it as bad because Ahrefs is growing. We're growing thanks to the like larger customers who can afford to pay, who have larger teams. Smaller tools are growing thanks to those people who are just starting out and they may be more price conscious and maybe $35 for extra 500 credits might be a big deal to them. But to be honest, I don't see how like extra $35 is a big deal for someone who is like buying an expired domain for a couple thousand dollars, investing a couple thousand dollars in their content, investing. And uh, when we're saying backlinks, let's let's be honest, fair share of backlinks is being paid for, especially when we're talking yeah. about affiliate SEO. So if we're talking about building an actual brand, creating a, like a media company or like uh, an actual startup, yes, you can get most of your backlinks for free by basically growing your business. If we're talking about affiliate marketing, everyone is creating the same kind of content and it's very hard to stand out with your content and get links this way. So people are buying links. And uh, links are quite expensive. We did our own study and it was like, I think average was about $200. So by looking at all the costs of creating an SEO project, yeah, it's not a let's big call chunk it that, it basically. it's not a big chunk of it. But if you look at what it takes Ahrefs to do what we do, I think we're worth the cost because uh, other softwares that do like a fraction of the thing that Ahrefs is doing, they cost not that much less than we do. So yeah, it's. I mean, I've been using the credit system like since recently. To be honest, we had a legacy account for a while, and it's like, uh, it's like I was telling you before. It's like it's, it's like in some aspects, like when I do keyword research, I feel my credits go really fast. But like in other aspects, like checking the entire link profile for a website for one credit feels like it's fine, basically. Like it's not it's not a big deal or something like this. So it's like it, sometimes it feels like, yeah, depending on the functionality you're using, it feels like the mileage varies a lot, basically. And so some people's workflow might be very credit intensive, while some of the people's workflow might actually be undercharged, I think. So it's uh, it's an interesting one. Did you consider other systems? Like is that when you designed this, like was this the only thing you were thinking about or was there other candidates? So we knew we wanted wanted uh, usage-based because mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to differentiate between an agency that has 20 people and an agency that has 20 people or like an enterprise with a marketing department of 10 people and enterprise with a marketing department of 50 people. So we knew we wanted something usage-based. Uh, of course, we, we did discuss like seats, uh, upsells, like uh, uh, add-ons and, and stuff like this, but Again, you need to factor in a lot of the uh, billing hurdles because the way you consider it on the billing side with all the uh, refunds, upgrades, downgrades, blah, 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 it gets increasingly complicated. So the, the credit system seemed fairly simple compared to other options. And yeah, I wanted to also go back to kind of previous topic and say that it seems true that we are pricing ourselves out of beginners who are mm -hmm. price conscious and who are, for whatever reason, not ready to pay 
extra, I don't know, 30, 60 dollars to, to do their research. And we are turning more towards more mature marketing teams and more agree, experienced yeah. marketers. And actually, we feel that at this point in the lifespan of HFs, this is a better audience for us because the needs of the beginners can be served by simpler tools like, I know, Keyword Finder, Mangools, Keywords Everywhere, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. It would suggest even in many cases. It's like if you even, value, like even it's Uber suggests. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can do the job with those things and those things are pretty cheap and we don't want to compete with them. And we're understanding that we want to go deeper. We want to give people more tools. We want to give people more advanced tools. We want to give people tools to dig deep. So again, uh, in terms of backlink data, we're absolutely uh, unparalleled because for every backlink that we have, we offer something like 68 data points for every backlink that you can slice and dice your data to quickly get to, to the most important things. So we want to, to have this depth in every aspect of HFs. And right now, uh, we're actually, uh, Dmitry himself, our CEO and founder Dmitry, is personally looking into our keyword data and uh, we want to do some major leaps in our keyword data uh, in the first quarter of 2024 to, to improve it a lot and to give people more, more kind of tools and uh, more quality of our keyword data to work with. So yeah, beginners, you can do the job with cheaper tools. It's it's no secret. I, I like as as someone who is supposed to sell HFs, I cannot just deny the fact that you can do keyword research with simpler tools and you can achieve your goals with simpler tools. But as we're getting to more advanced levels, to SEOs who have like uh, more sophisticated tasks and challenges on their plate we want to be the tool for them that they can use to have like even a small kind of incremental improvement towards your competition at a certain scale, it can produce great results. So we want to go there. We want to give more sophisticated tools to people who need them. And this is why kind of we are shifting our strategy. Yeah, it was very clear in the way this whole thing is moving. Even your branding in a way, like it's like it's still playful, but like it, it became also more professional in the way the site looks, etc. You know, like you yeah. can feel you're getting off that small SaaS territory. It feels very much like the rebranding of like a site like Active Campaign, for example, after they got a big round of investment. I think it's fairly similar. I just wish this was maybe communicated more clearly. And that's something that sometimes people like kind of criticize you guys for. It's like the the communication. I'm not saying you don't do communication. I feel like sometimes it's just unheard. Like, you know, you do a lot of product announcements, etc. It feels like it just goes over the head of, of many people. What do you think that is? What do you think people like don't like your communication? Are they unfair or is there something to fix here? That's a great question. And uh, I remember maybe in the first or second year since joining HREFs, I went to some conference in US, some marketing conference. And I uh, sat next to some lady, I introduced myself, and she was a user of Hrefs. And she asked me, like, what kinds of interesting features have you released lately, or blah, blah, blah. Exactly. And I was like, oh, we released this and that. And she, whoa, this is very cool. I didn't know about this. I said, but we actually, we sent an email, we published a blog article, we mentioned it in our videos, blah, blah, blah. She was like, ah, I'm not really subscribed to your email newsletter. I don't read your blog. I don't follow you on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. I was like, so what's the best way to reach you with our communications? She's like, I don't know. I have no mm. idea. 
And this was kind of an epiphany for me that no matter... Now we have we are going towards the strategy that I call firing all cannons. So whenever we have something important to say, we are going to say it in like with every channel, in every content format possible, and uh, we'll keep saying and saying and, and saying this thing. Th this is kind of what, what was happening with the pricing kind of afterwards, because mm. I even posted uh, a video uh, in, uh, I think it was SEO, uh, SEO Signals, uh, Facebook group, uh, where I saw a discussion and I decided to record, uh, I don't know, a 10-minute video to address a lot of the concerns. So yeah, no amount of communication is actually enough. This is what we I realized back then and we keep realizing today that you have to do as much as you can to, to communicate those things. And to be honest, a lot of like when you're planning some change or some initiative, you are planning it from the standpoint of your knowledge, how you understand it, how well you know your company, how well you understand like the change, blah, blah, blah. But when you announce your communication to people, they are in a different mind space. So they might not kind of like read between the lines the way you do. So, yeah, like I also had an experience when we were at Chiang Mai SEO conference and I was uh, at a mastermind with one agency owner uh, and he couldn't figure out how our credits work. He thought that on the standard plan, all you get is 750 credits and that's it. He didn't know about the add-ons. He didn't know about, uh, about additional users that come with credits. And I was like, can you please open your Ahrefs account? He opens HF's account and there's like a big message on the dashboard, like learn more about the change. I'm like, yeah, click yeah. the learn more. It opens the the uh, the pop-up with all the explanations, but he doesn't read the explanations. He goes straight to the pricing page and he, he tries to do like a snap judgment of the pricing page in like five seconds or less and says, I don't understand. And he closed it. And I was like, okay, so you're basically not reading our messages like start to finish and we are kind of supposed to explain everything to you so that's the thing people are not really interested to dig into product updates to understand them so no matter how well you communicate eventually you will fail so i don't know we, uh, we, did, we did actually a lot of communication it's just like people are I know if we would ask a typical listener of this podcast how many of the help articles about our pricing uh, system well, they've read, many, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be like somewhere between zero and one. But we yeah. have at least like five articles with detailed, five articles in our help section with detailed explanations. And we have quite a few links to those help articles within our interface. And if you ask uh, our support, kind of it starts from the chatbot. If you ask a relevant question, it suggests you those articles but people just don't read that the thing is like for our communication i don't think it's perfect at all but one thing that i've seen stick better in people's mind is to basically make it multi-level for every single message we have so if you read the first sentence of every single email we send you'll get most of it already uh sometimes even there's a subject line we'll try, and then there's there's kind of like multiple layers to the email it gets deeper and deeper and deeper as you read more so that there's like kind of like the one sentence, the one section, and then the whole email kind of breaking down the same thing. And it's always benefits-based. It's like, 
the way you get people's click is to tell them what they're getting. It's like, oh, find more keywords or like, like get better keyword data. Find a, like, find a reason why they would read rather than just saying new product update, for example. It's not perfect. It's like if you ask people about our products, like I'm sure there's going to be similar gaps and, and lack of understanding. Sometimes people don't even get the name of the product properly, so <laughs> it's not easy. But uh, it's like it's something that I found work better. There's also the case of a lot of misinformation being spread on Twitter. So someone would misunderstand how our pricing works. They would tweet some raging comments about how they think our pricing works. They would get a lot of, I don't know, retweets and a lot of rage and a lot of drama. But when we would jump in and say, no, it's actually not that, like, or we fixed that like half a year ago, it's no longer the case, but mm. that gets buried. So it seems that... Yeah, there's, there's basically a lot of misinformation that gets a lot of views and clicks because it enrages people. But whenever we publish something that is kind of fair and uh, actual, it doesn't get that many clicks yeah, because yeah. it doesn't enrages people. It doesn't it gets enrage engagement. people. Yeah, it doesn't get engagement. So good so things you, don't get engagement. Whenever we post good things, people don't, don't they, engage with them as much. I think they can, but like you need to kind of tie it to how people use Ahrefs and what they get out of the new stuff that you're releasing, and which sometimes it feels like you're talking like an engineer, you know, and it's just boring to people. Not you, but like the communication feel like that. But again, it's like, I, I'm saying that from my point of view, I think it's much harder yeah. to actually run it day to day. If you had to do the whole thing again, would you do it differently and what would you do differently? Yeah, probably I would, uh, like from from my now understanding how much people don't want to read and dig into this, mm -hmm. I would, yeah, probably spend more time kind of sending preliminary messages to people and like phrase them better so that they would be unambiguous, completely unambiguous, so people wouldn't be able to misunderstand what we're saying. This is the first thing. And the second thing I would definitely, like, again, if I could go back in time, I would just try to release the credit system with all the fixes that we've made afterwards. Yeah, because again, it is right. easy. It is easy to point out a lot of flaws in it when you actually start using it. But when you're planning it, you don't you don't think of a lot of the corner cases. I think we actually recently made a fix that you suggested. We implemented it because it was quite fair. And yeah, since since the time it was released, we made uh, a lot of fixes and concessions to make it more fair. Yeah, it's like I actually wrote them down. So it's like before, like if you applied multiple filters, you were using multiple credits, now it uses one yeah. credit, sorting the data was using credits, it doesn't use credits anymore. Checking the same report within 30 minutes doesn't use credits anymore. The one of credit packs lasts three months instead of one. Setting user limits and no auto rebuild. I think early on, what enraged people, I think, is that you guys had the unlimited usage and yeah. you built people like really high amounts, right? And so like imagine the small guy making low profit or something, it might have so been... So billing high amounts, it was one or two cases. Yeah, okay. It was just one or two cases. And uh, yeah, it's it's not, I can't believe I have to say it, but it was never our goal to trick anyone to yeah, overspending yeah. with HFs. It would be stupid to accuse us of that because HFs is like a 10-year-old business. We always cared and will always care about reputation. And to imply that we want to, I don't know, scam people into paying more or trick people into paying more. 
we're actually sending people an email your subscription is about to renew make sure like you're using it uh, otherwise cancel which is what other software companies don't do this they they actually yeah, yeah. ask you to reach out to sales if they want to cancel and they drag this process as much as, much as possible so for someone to imply that Ahrefs is trying to rip you off like to make to make you pay more it's completely not us and that's the case of uh, rage getting clicks on twitter and views uh, and the actual situation is getting buried. Fair enough. I mean, I have stopped being as active on Twitter because I find it a bit toxic anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, honestly, it's just like, even I, I do well on that, but like, it's just like, I don't like the, the negative mentality on a lot of things. It also lacks context. So yeah, a, yeah. a conversation like this, if I say something, you can clarify it with me. Or like point out that I'm incorrect and I can fix myself on the spot. I can agree with you on the spot. Twitter doesn't give you this kind of luxury. It's very short messages and... The replies don't necessarily get the reach, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you agree with someone who doesn't agree with you, that gets buried and people think uh, you're an asshole or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. I think we've talked about credits enough. I think it's like we've, we've covered it. If people have more questions, just drop it in the comments and we'll see, we'll see what you have. Um, but like, then the, the next thing is like, uh, one thing I did to prepare this interview is I went on the SEO subreddit, uh, since it's ranking for everything these days. Uh, <laughs> and then essentially like checked people's discussions talking about Ahrefs, right? It's like a lot of people are like, oh, I have to pay credits. Like, how does it compare to SEMrush? Obviously they asked that. And most answers were like, no, Ahrefs doesn't do anything SEMrush doesn't do better. Just use SEMrush. That's what most people said. What do you answer to them? Like, what do you guys do? that I can't do with SEMrush and why should I use Ahrefs instead? Yeah, I just mentioned in terms of backlink data that we basically don't have competitors at all because for every backlink we save 65 or 68 different data points which you can apply different filters and sorting to. SEMrush cannot do this. I think we counted it was 15 data points for their backlinks. So, so the granularity we have is just on a completely different level. So if you really need to dig into your backlink data and separate the wheat from the chaff, as they say, Ahrefs is so much better. Again, I won't be creating that typical, I don't know, software comparison table where uh, <laughs> I would uh, only showcase the things that we do better and uh, uh, be, be silent about the things that they do better. Of course, SEMrush, uh, they're twice bigger than we are, if not three times, I, I don't remember. Uh, they have like massive manpower and they have created lots of different little tools that certain people might find useful and we don't have alternatives at Ahrefs. So at Ahrefs, we try to go deeper and we try to invest a lot of effort in our data. And I think that's the main differentiation. Mm. Before we keep going with the interview, here's a quick word from our sponsor, searchintelligence.co.uk. This is how we landed massive links for our client in The Sun, a DR90 website, and many other UK news websites. We have used freely available data from YouGov to simply find out what the nation's favorite car brand is and which brands people love the most. Of course, Rolls-Royce came out on top, Aston Martin second and Jaguar third. We put these insights in a short email and sent it to journalists that write about cars and to national news desks on behalf of our client. Within a few days, our client got featured in all the suns as well as many regional newspaper sites in the UK, gaining DR90 links to their leasing comparison website. 
YouGov website is full of unlimited PR stories with data already available for free. All you have to do is to start researching their data and start asking the data questions. You will be surprised of the unlimited PR campaigns that you will find there that can help you build massive exposure and links to your or your clients' websites. I hope this video is helpful and inspirational. Thank you, Search Intelligence. If you want to start a digital PR campaign with their help, head over to searchintelligence.co.uk. Now, let's get back to the interview. Yeah, one tool that I've really enjoyed lately is actually the Page Inspect. So the Page Inspect, for people who don't know, it allows you to put a URL in there, and then you can put a, a date and you see what the page what like was like at that other date. And it's useful in several cases. If you're competing for a very like difficult keyword, for example, and people are updating their content all the time, etc., it's very easy to isolate like that content. And I think that's like it's pretty interesting. Another thing, it's funny, I was checking that. So again, it's about SEO merch, but that wasn't really on purpose. I was checking backlinko dot com slash best free SEO tool, mostly because they're pretty active on it and they're doing it. It's growing quite a lot right now, actually. So it's kind of like, it's interesting for us. We're competing with them, etc. And I put that, that in there. And then by using that tool, I was able to see that they basically bumped their rankings by just updating the published dates without changing anything on the pages. So people feel free to go check it out. Backlinko.com slash best free SEO tools. <laughs> like, so, the, so you see, I don't make anything up. So I think I compared, so today is January 9th. So I think I compared to a date in November or something. Uh, and the only thing they've done is remove 2023 from the title. They, they put no date and then they updated that. And then that page went from, for free SEO tools from number five to number one, for example. So it's like, uh, like that allows me to confirm, for example, that that kind of tactic still definitely works, especially on larger sites. It's been like that for years. Like I've talked about this, like I think like five years ago or something, like just update your published date and your rankings bump up. <laughs> so uh, it seems like it's uh, it's one of the tactics that they use on ongoing backlinko, for example. So that's like, but like you see like this is the kind of stuff that I wish you guys talked about when you release new tools, for example, like, hey, look, we took this site, we realized they do that, and now that helps us improve our SEO strategy. And it's like potentially that we get people a little bit more excited about the features, actually. Page Inspect is actually a killer tool. As yeah. you rightfully pointed out back when we were at Chiang Mai, uh, it is born out of our search engine because for the search engine, we needed to save all the HTML content of the pages, we decided to to give access to it to uh, users of Ahrefs. So it is one of the cases of how uh, the development of our of how our search engine is actually a research and development department for Ahrefs because we take interesting bits of technology from there and integrate it to Ahrefs. And uh, I can give you a small spoiler this year because right now it's just a report within uh, Site Explorer, but it seems that it has all the prospects of becoming its own tool because okay. we essentially want to recreate archive.org because right now in Page Inspect, you only get HTML content and text content. We are going to give you the actual snapshots of the pages as well. And we are going to add uh, this visual calendar, which would highlight at which dates the Ooh. pages uh, had changes, which would uh, make working with Page Inspect very easy. And you'll see uh, the number of changes that uh, a certain page had. And I myself has used this tool recently because... Uh, Shameless plug, we're starting Perfect. our own podcast soon, uh, HF's oh, podcast, no. and I was, I was interviewing, <laughs> uh, I was interviewing uh, Pep Laya 
from Conversion and Excel and uh, Winter.com. Basically, uh, his his new startup, Winter.com, is a software where marketers can get feedback on their messaging. And what I did is I used Page Inspect on the homepage of Winter.com to mm. see how many times he changed his own messaging. And I was trying to challenge him, like, uh, how often do you really need to use your tool and change your message? Because it seems you, you want to invest some effort to, to nail your message and stick with it. But he had something like, I don't know, 15 changes to his okay. homepage per month. And I was saying, like, isn't this a bit excessive to make so many changes? Because, like, you spend effort to change your messaging, and then what? It sits on your homepage for a week, and then you change it again. You don't so, know yeah, the that, effect that, as well. That that was uh, a pretty interesting conversation. Listen to HRF's podcast. Right, check <laughs> it out once we release it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's a cool tool. It's like also it's like on the gray hat side of things. I think a lot of people, if you do something like archive.org and you allow people to download the HTML, a lot of people who buy expired domains will use that to restore the sites, actually. I'm not sure that's what you want, but I can yeah. see, I can yeah. see yeah. this being At, at HREFs, we, we, we don't like uh, all that spam spam and gray hat and AI content generation. We'll talk uh, about yeah. that later. Don't worry. <laughs> now, another tool that I like as well is that you guys added the sub comparison. Sub comparison mm. is basically, you know, you get the sub results when you put a keyword in Keyword Explorer. That's fine, but then you can put another date and then you can see how you know the pages that moved up the pages that moved down that helps me understand updates in general like who won who lost i think that together with the new competitor view that has these bubbles that like you can see compared yeah. to like the date now versus before etc like in China seo a lot of people got hit by the updates like that was pretty clear so i did that ex exercise with a lot of people it's always like where did the traffic go and answering that question tended to be much easier using the competitor view together with the sub comparison. It helps you kind of like paint a story of like, where is the traffic going? This doesn't tell the full story though, because you guys are still missing a lot of like sub features, like in the sub yeah. breakdown, because now Google has like a million ways of laying mm -hmm. stuff out. And I feel like that's something maybe you guys are a little bit behind actually on. With SERP features, the challenge is you never know if this SERP feature is going to stay and if it would be yeah, widespread or if it is something that Google will test a few weeks on a small subset of keywords and then release. And you already wasted effort to be able yeah, to yeah. identify it, to integrate it in your platform. So we're kind of, uh, this is very deliberate and conscious decision to be lagging in terms of that. Mm. So we see, okay, this SERP feature seems to have settled. It's here to stay. People are paying attention. Let's integrate it to HR. So we don't want to jump the gun and like uh, release all sorts of, and bloat ourselves with features that uh, will only last for a couple of weeks and then Google will discontinue them. It's not just that, but like, I feel like there's some new ones that maybe you guys don't cover. So for example, if you Google like things to do in, I don't know, I'll say Budapest, cause mm -hmm. I'm there. Like usually like you get the search results, but before that you get these kind of like toggles with like the different sites and then you can click mm -hmm. and it opens, etc. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they've been expanding these, the forum thing, like forum and discussions is now growing a lot. I think we added forums and discussions. Okay. I think okay. we added that one. Yeah, it's just like um, Google is doing more and it's like, it, I expect it's going to explode because Gemini has uh, one of the technical demos was like making UX for information. And what I expect they're going to do is they're going to start popping this stuff up like like the, the AI model is just going to start making custom cells for every keyword. I just checked, we added discussions and forums, okay. so it's there. One thing that you guys are not doing with Ahrefs that surprised me quite a bit is you don't have an on-page tool. Like, on-page tool have become a big staple of 
uh, people's SEO stack now, you never released one. You've allowed companies like Surfer SEO basically to take that spot. I think it's like they, they, they have a positioning very similar to yours. And because you are not in a market, like people maintain two subscriptions, basically. Why not? This is a great question. And this is something uh, we discussed just a couple hours ago on a lunch with a couple uh, co-workers and Dmitry himself. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that I'm personally one of the roadblocks to that. Because okay. uh, the features that uh, either I personally come up with and push, they get released fairly quickly if they are easy to do. Or the features that someone else suggests and I'm excited with, I would try to like uh, push the team like from my end to, to quickly release them. With on-page SEO tool, I cannot see myself using it. So I still write content for Ahrefs blog now and then. I still uh, write some articles. And I just don't see how I am going to use this on-page tool for my own articles. I just don't see it. Like I write articles because I have experience, knowledge, and a strong opinion about something. And I want to optimize my article using my my own voice, my own, I don't know, humor, my own kind of style of explaining things. And I want to be me with this article. I want to use the kinds of words and phrases and sentences that I would use. I definitely don't want to create what is X, why X is important as my H2s. So I personally don't see what kind of functionality would make me want to use this tool. So and this is kind of one of the reasons why we, we still don't have this tool, because I personally don't have vision for it. So I cannot kind of help and push the product team to show them this is exactly what we need. This is mm. exactly what I would use myself. I have a clear vision. I take responsibility that this feature uh, is needed. So to me personally, and again, full disclosure, we are working on an on-page tool now that we have like AI and all that, and we have our okay. own supercomputer. So we're training our own smaller AI models to, to integrate into Ahrefs. So th the product team is indeed working on an on-page tool. And I believe Patrick Stokes has some ideas of what functionality can be useful there. If someone doesn't know Patrick Stokes, he's one of the brightest technical SEOs uh, on the he's planet. Really good, so yeah. the, the guy is very knowledgeable. So he has some opinions. Ryan Law, the, the head of content who we recently hired, also has some opinions how this tool can be useful. I personally don't. To me, on-page tool is a tool that helps people who are absolutely terrible at writing and have zero knowledge of the topic can create something that remotely resembles a good article. But, Isn't that a lot uh, of your customers, though? You see, that's the thing. The people who need this kind of tool are mostly affiliate marketers who want to Not launch only. a lot of websites about the topics that they don't really know about. Well, yeah, I, I don't You don't want think to like a corporate writer for a big company? Now you guys are pushing enterprise sales and higher level. Do you think all writers are passionate and everything for these big uh, companies you're trying to sell a trust to? Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. But I personally... I don't quite like this uh, this whole idea that writers who are not passionate passionate about the topic should create this content. So, in so is my that case, your Ren Fishkin moment? Is that like uh, is that the moment where like your personal beliefs limit the growth of Ahrefs? In a way, but I, I I try to not stand in the way of people I know like Patrick Stokes who seem to mm -hmm. have an understanding of how to do this. So I, I like I uh, as you know this phrase disagree and commit. 
So I don't see it. If you guys see how to do it, sure. If, if it would be useful to people, sure. But I remember that back in the day when I was interviewed at podcasts and the people were asking me, how did we make Ahrefs blog one of the top blogs in the industry? I came up with an explanation of uh, the most qualified person. So the most qualified person in your company about the given topic should be the one writing an article about this topic. And this is why I still try to dedicate my own time to create content because we create content about marketing and I have lots of knowledge and experience about marketing. I'm the most qualified person in our specific team when it comes to many different marketing-related topics. So I feel I have to, if I cannot write the article myself, at least I have to participate and give my perspective, give my ideas to other people who are writing this content and help them create, help steer them in the right direction. So with, with that ideology that the most qualified person has to be the person creating content, on-page tool that is supposed to help the least qualified person and the least paid person to create something of substance, those like two ideas kind of don't add up very much yeah but you can obviously see google rewarding a lot of that kind of content on google like it's especially recently a lot of crap's been ranking let's be honest uh so as on a consumer i don't like this as i agree consumer, I, I, I hate like it too this. but also it's like my job is to rank websites and it's like if google creates a bad set of rules it's like I, i'm not the one who writes the rules you know and it's like i disagree with it but at the same time People judge me on my results, right? So if a tool like that would help with that, aren't you shooting yourself in the foot by not using it? I don't know. This is this is not uh, <laughs> not a conversation with me. This is not okay. A conversation fine. With me. It's I, like, like, look, I'm uh, just asking questions. Again, I'm uh, operating from my personal experience, and my personal yeah. experience is that I want to write the articles the way I want them, and I don't see myself using this tool. And mm -hmm. as a consumer. I want to consume content from people who are kind yeah, of at yeah. the at the top of uh, the industry rather than some regurgitated content written by like the cheapest freelancer you can find. Okay, fair enough. You mentioned AI though, like you say you're training your own model, etc. And recently yeah. you deployed a small tool in the Keyword Explorer that helps come up with seed keywords. It's a hit and miss this one. Uh, it's like sometimes it works, sometimes it's a little like <laughs> a little crazy. So like how is Ahrefs going to use AI and are you going to use an, are you going to launch another AI article right? <laughs> Probably not based on the discussion. <laughs> so so first of all thanks for the idea because the idea to integrate that into Keywords Explorer was inspired by you. Uh, mm -hmm. I basically sent a link to the video to your video uh, to the product team and said like this is cool that ChatGPT can help generate seed keywords. Why don't we integrate that right into Keywords Explorer, uh, which they did? And yeah, it can be kind of flaky at times, but uh, that's what AI that's is. AI, yeah. uh, like, that's not on us. We're using uh, OpenAI. This, this is not our model. So if, if that was our model specifically trained for this purpose, uh, suggesting kind of relevant seed keywords, then we could probably be able to fine-tune it. Right now, our options to fine-tune it are quite limited to prompting, basically. Mm. Trying to fix something in our prompts that might be producing those flaky results. Yeah, and another thing that we recently added in terms of AI is we're trying to use AI to identify intent. Again, we are not... Uh, very big fans of bucketing intent into those like four squared buckets, informational, commercial, blah, blah, blah. Because sometimes uh, you look at the keyword and it can be 
commercial and it can be informational at the same time. So it's kind of like a mixed intent. And uh, we believe that there is a lot more insights to derive from intent uh, other than it being com commercial and informational. Like, do people want online tools when they search for it? Or do they want, I know, product pages? So uh, mm -hmm. this is much more insightful. So this is something else that we've added. And it's also kind of like in, in, in beta version right now. So, But again, at this moment, we're, we're fairly limited because we're using uh, OpenAI API and a bunch of like prompting and like prompt engineering and like uh, all, the, all that stuff. But eventually, I think we're going to advance those features. In terms of AI article writer, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think we're going to uh, ever release that. Okay, I mean, if you don't want on page tool, then uh, obviously you probably don't want a article writer. No, no, no. Uh, we enough. are working on an on page tool, uh, but we're trying to figure out how to do it in a way that would with align twist. with our yeah. ideology. Basically, yeah, with that, a twist, that wouldn't. Basically. Not the same as everyone else. Yeah, okay, that's cool. And that's one of the things that I see Ahrefs at is like, you guys try to like put a twist on everything, not just like copy paste whatever's been done there. Like, I've seen you steal some features. For example, the low DR filter in the Keyword Explorer feels very much to me like it was inspired by a keyword tool called Low Fruits. I'm not sure if it was, but it's like that's essentially that was the entire purpose of the tool. So it's like that felt that way. But also a lot of stuff that you guys came up with was stolen by other people. So it's like it's the game of sass, I think, you know. So I cannot tell you if if it was inspired by low fruits or not, I think people were asking us for mm. some version of this low DR filter for years. Uh, I probably can go on our feature request platform called Kenny, uh, and we have like very old yeah, okay. feature requests there. But it is completely possible that when we saw someone raving on Twitter about this feature at low fruits, I or yeah, someone fair, else fair could, took, could take this tweet post it in our Slack and say, guys, why don't we still have it? And uh, we developed it. So yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I don't see a problem with uh, copying features and I don't see a problem with people copying us. I think the, the, the whole kind of challenge is to create features that aren't easy to copy. So if you mm. create features that others can copy easily, then Database yeah, stuff, you're yeah. not doing that, 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 much, that, that good of a job. Yeah, it's your data set, it's your link graph and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. That's like hard to copy. I think the rest is easy to copy. Uh, and that's why a lot of like companies, even if they get big, can get in trouble in SaaS because they just get copied and ad nauseum, basically. So in March 2022, you announced the new Ahrefs pricing with the credit system. And in June 2022, you announced the you announced Yep.com, the search engine by Yep. The, the association a lot of people make is Ahrefs increased the price to pay for Yep.com. What do you reply to these people? So the thing is, from what I'm seeing, people are connecting uh, our price increase to the old article that says yep. that we're investing 60 million this uh, into search engine. Uh, this article was published at TechCrunch, and I believe it was maybe 2020. Okay, so maybe I'm, I got the timing wrong. Maybe I think maybe I think I Google. I no, Google no, 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 no. We 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 might have announced that kind of. I I I don't remember us specifically announcing Yep, because we never kind of decided that it was ready 
to be announced essentially. Okay. So we're waiting to have something kind of unique and cool and in, yeah, we're 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 waiting for some some news to to announce. And right now, uh, it doesn't feel that we have it. We're still working on the quality of search results in Yep or some interesting spins, as you say, to search that that can make us unique. So yeah, Again, why did you start it? Why why Yep.com? <laughs> because like half of the job was already done. The links, the crawling of the content, the, the server infrastructure. Basically, we have the Google Search Console, but we don't have Google. So Ahrefs is mm -hmm. the Google Search Console, and Yep is Google. So uh, I believe uh, Dmitry played with the idea of launching a search engine. Basically, as soon as he created Ahrefs and uh, stored the index of the entire web on the servers. And uh, it was just a matter of time he gets to it. So Dmitry, uh, our CEO and founder, he's uh, an engineer himself. He's uh, incredibly smart. He has like background in mathematics. And he's just like uh, a nerd in a good sense of this word. He, he's interested to play with technology. He's interested to push technology forward. He's interested to play with all the latest toys, both on the hardware side and the software side. So uh, we have kind of direct connections with companies like NVIDIA and some uh, CPU providers. And we get some, some super secret models of these like CPUs and GPUs that aren't released or announced yet. They, they send us those for tests because then we can make like pre-orders of large quantities. So Mitri just enjoys all that technology. And he has like a lot of background with the search technologies, so he wanted to do <laughs> search engine. Challenge. Okay, fine. Yeah, <laughs> fine. Like, go, go I, ahead. I mean, like I, I was making this, I was making this joke in my presentation in Chiang Mai. So Dmitry could tweet that uh, he bought like a stack of GPUs for our data center, or mm, he could tweet okay. that he bought himself like a, a large luxury yacht. So. He chose to buy tons of GPUs to play with rather than buy himself a yacht and host parties there. Fair so enough. This is the kind of the man he is. So some people buy mansions and Ferraris. Well, Ferraris are cheap compared to mansions and, and, and all stuff. Dmitry <laughs> invests in technology. Okay, fair enough. But isn't now the worst time to start a search engine? Like Google itself isn't even sure you want to still be a search engine and you guys are starting one. How does the timing feel now, like a couple of years after, basically? It feels pretty good with okay. all the anti antitrust uh, laws that okay, are being yeah. released. For example, on Android right now, uh, whenever you set up a new Android, uh, there is a choice screen uh, of the browser and search engine. And right at this moment, I believe uh, the guys have created a browser app uh, that defaults to our search engine. And we are applying to get included uh, to the Android choice screen. So some people would be choosing our browser with our search engine. So actually, it gets easier to eat a little bit of market share from Google. And then again, no one is talking about uh, overtaking Google. I mm. mean, 1% of Google market share is money, already yeah. a billion dollars. So even like 0.1% is $100 million. So again, when people are implying that Ahrefs wants to overtake Google, we never said that. We never 
Like, yeah. that's, that's, that's what uh, Satya Nadella from Microsoft, the CEO of Microsoft, said when they launched Bing with AI. He said, like, we don't aim to take over Google. We just want to make them dance. That's what he said, actually. And uh, basically, he explained that, yeah, a billion dollars is 1% market share. So if they take 5%, they're happy, basically. So, yeah. This whole question with the search engine is essentially a question to Dmitry because this is his yeah. passion. This is his idea. He has his own vision. But I am kind of relaying the part of his vision that I kind of understand and that that I was able to get from him in our conversations. So you mentioned that uh, yep.com helps with some tools in Ahrefs. Like, is there other ways to kind of like try to essentially use the fact that you're building a search engine to make your tool better? And in a way, that's what you said. Like, it builds features that are hard to copy because building a search engine is not exactly easy. So it secures yeah. you, I guess. There's a security thing as well that you build in. Yeah, even in the simple fact that uh, search engine allows us to hire data scientists, very smart data scientists, and have a lot of interesting different tasks for them. And as Dmitry was explaining to me when I asked, because our data science team keeps growing, and I was like, Dmitry, like, what is everyone on the data science team is busy with? Because like the time goes on and I don't quite see a lot of breakthroughs. And what Dmitry said, which in my opinion made a ton of sense, he said that uh, our data science team, like each, each individual person, are working on rather hard problems that weren't solved before. They're not trivial. Mm -hmm. And we don't even know if those kind of challenges, if those problems will lead to any useful outcomes that we will be able to apply on the business side. But basically, we're coming to the casino table and we're making some bets, some rather expensive bets from the manpower and resources perspective. But if even one of those 10 bets will play out, yes, this can money. be very good for us. So I guess okay. this is Dmitry's vision. We don't know if a lot of the projects that are brewing in HRS right now will come to fruition. But if at least one of them would produce something unique, that would be very cool and very hard for our competitors to, to catch up with. Okay, let's talk about AI. AI and the fact that obviously like SGE, et cetera, Google looking to play with how search works. Isn't that an existential threat to Ahrefs? Like if SEO traffic declines, people attach less value to it and potentially Ahrefs? I thought about that too when all the craze has started. I was quite anxious about it, like what would happen to search, what would happen to Ahrefs. Mm. But what we are like a year later or like even a year and a half later? A couple of months now, November 2022, I think uh, was ChatGPT. Uh, yeah, something like that. And I think I was listening to one of your podcasts basically a few months after this whole thing started. And I think you were saying that either no dramatic changes would happen or they would be so slow that like, so you're not going to lose your businesses overnight. And it seems this is what is happening. So there are some slow changes, but the thing is, AI is quite computationally expensive. I think I've heard somewhere that uh, ChatGPT is losing a ton of money right now. It's probably better now. Like they made them more efficient. Like they reduce yeah. their API costs significantly. So it's like you can't take the launch costs and compare them to now because it must like the usage must have gone down from the trend a bit, and. GPT 3.5 is something like 10 times cheaper now than it was at launch. Yeah. So it's, it's getting better. But still, but still, ChatGPT, 
what's the user base of ChatGPT compared to Google? Is yeah, it's it pretty small. One percent? Yeah. Is it like five percent? I don't know. Well, it's I, much I know smaller. it's ver- it's very small. And yeah. a lot of these people are actually paying twenty bucks per month for their mm. access to kind of up- offset some of the costs. While Google is kind of essentially free, while they make money on ads, of course, but still to release AI features to generate stuff on the fly to everyone for free, it's quite a crazy feat. So you think they're bluffing? And if if you don't compute things on the fly, but rather cache your replies, cache, because yeah. if you have like popular keywords and you just cache replies to, to those popular keywords, how is it different from the content farm? How long can you even cache if like... Uh, if, as you as it is said, query deserves freshness. So yeah, I don't like it's. Um, uh, I don't. I don't need to think about it because uh, I'm not Google and it's not my problem. I just need to look at what Google is doing and adapt. But so far, things were moving super slowly. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I agree. It's just an interesting one. It's like was SGE just something to make shareholders happy and show something, or is it something that's actually coming out in the way in the way they were doing it? Like the beta was supposed to end in uh, last day of last year 2023 and then they just <laughs> removed it from the from the uh, from the search labs and it's just like there's no more end to the beta it's just uh, it's just beta forever at this point so it's it's so interesting i usually hate uh trying to predict the future and make bets uh uh-huh. but right now I, I i just had an idea that if i were to make a bet about kind of the future of ai in google specifically my bet would probably be that it would be kind of a distinct product, kind of like AI assistant or something. So you have a regular Google search and like you have search for images, search for news, and you'll have a button for assistant where you can chat specifically with assistant kind of like you do with ChatGPT. So yeah, my bet is they're not going to replace the default behavior of search from giving you the search results but they would rather uh, create kind of like a tab or an assistant or a button that would activate the the AI chat assistant and you'll be able to kind of ask questions. So that is my bet. It was actually found on the source code of the BART page that they're working on a paid version, like a chat GPT plus version of it. My guess is it comes out when uh, Gemini Ultra comes out. So now they have this Gemini Pro, which is kind of like the GPT 3.5 equivalent. Gemini Ultra will be the GPT-4 equivalent and and potentially, apparently it's going to be rolled into Google One, you know, where they offer like a VPN, they offer you uh, some storage, some stuff like that, Google Photos, and mm-hmm. uh, and roll all of that in there. And then it's going to be connected to your email, your calendar. It's going to be a, mm-hmm. potentially more, be able to do things on like ChatGPT, which is kind of like locked into his box uh, and can't necessarily interact with your apps and, and everything. So potentially that's what they'll do it's just it's just interesting do you think google is as good as it now as it was three to five years ago do you think they're as powerful as a company in terms of reach and do you think they do as good of a job i don't know the the honest question is i don't know but uh it seems there is a trend that other platforms are getting a lot of uh kind of mind share of people uh for Mm. example i myself whenever i need to to search for some reviews i would often use youtube uh, it also has been said a lot of times that uh, younger people prefer to do searches on TikTok. Uh, again, short, like, visual thingies, they they prefer that to, to Google. So uh, I'm definitely not a fan of, like, uh, 
SEO content. Uh, let's call it that. And uh, I that definitely not a, I, I I'm definitely not a fan when people who don't deserve to rank at the top hack their way to the top. Uh, I'm mm. not a fan of that. Uh, but I also understand that it's not easy to to fight that being Google because you you're working with with such a vast amount of information. Yeah, you guys have a good grasp of that because of the information you guys handle at Ahrefs, yeah. right? I agree. I was going to say, like, do you, do you think Google ranks boring content? That was my next, because my feeling is like Google doesn't really understand what's good content, but like really at all. And they've put rules together that make people say, oh, what is that, uh, et cetera, like all these boring, shitty sections in articles. But there's a correlation with higher rankings if you see them all the time when you Google stuff, right? So it's like, my feeling is Google has lost the, lost the plot a little bit on what people want. And they should TikTokify Google more than, imagine if Chrome Mobile would allow you to like swipe between pages, etc. Like that'd be mm. much more interesting, for example. Uh, I think there is a fair share of sameness about the search results. So you search mm -hmm. for a topic, you open a bunch of top ranking pages, and they're so similar. They're so similar. And they don't and think search less. for searches. Yeah, yeah. And then, then Google loses power to TikTok and YouTube, basically. Yeah. Uh, that's, 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 that's my feeling. It feels like Google now should be part of your mix for traffic, but you should definitely be in other places too. Whereas historically, you could do quite well just being on, on, on Google and have a strong business. Maybe for local, maybe it's enough. But like uh, for a lot of people now, it's like we advise people that to be present on, on more than one platform. And you guys do that at Ahrefs, basically. My last SEO question is, uh, is SEO still for everyone or is it getting too expensive? I think SEO is definitely for everyone. And that, that was the narrative uh, of uh, Hrefs marketing basically since I joined the company, specifically maybe even before that. Again, that's interesting. When you need to sell your courses or when you need to sell your services, you want to make look SEO complicated so that yeah. people won't bother and they would buy it from you. But uh, if you're selling a tool that helps with that, you want to persuade people that it's easier to it's, do and they you can, can do it get yourself, your tool yeah. and do it yourself. I think the, the, uh, the truth is in the middle, probably. Mm. Uh, it, depending, it depends on the kind of site and the kind of industry where you want to rank. But I'm a big believer uh, outside of affiliate marketing, of course, where people create those like uh, dozens and hundreds of similar There's websites. There's good sites in affiliate marketing too. I think yeah, you're, you're generalizing. Like there are really people doing good stuff and we're yeah, like, yeah, really yeah, trying yeah, to push yeah. that as well. Yeah, definitely. I don't want to like to say that all affiliate marketers yeah. are doing There's, a, there's a good chunk of people doing shit sites. Yes, yeah. that's true. But there's also some very good sites in the, in the lot as well. Yeah, when, when, when people care about the topic yeah. that their site is about, they do incredible things. I, I saw some incredible websites in the fitness niche, uh, in the supplements niche, but some people just want to kind of uh, Make hack their way money, right? into it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Anyway, w what I was saying is that for a lot of websites, I believe that SEO is holistic, and as long as you do a great job with your actual business and with your actual product or with the actual knowledge that you're trying to share with people, a lot of times SEO would take care of itself. You would still know which topics to talk about on your website even without keyword research. People would link to you even without you reaching out to them because you are kind of on the forefront of your industry and you're able to provide something unique and noteworthy. But at the same time, if you are in tough competitive niches, 
and you need to attract a lot of traffic to your website, you have to be creative, you have to use the correct data, you need to use the right tools, and you need a lot of resources, and you need to be able to manage those resources well to pull it off. So, uh, as we often say in SEO, it depends. The entry-level stuff is definitely for everyone, but then as it gets more competitive, it gets obviously harder, and you need more knowledge and experience to pull it off. I think it's leveled up as well. A lot of people like, SEO is very much an execution game these days. Like making the plan is not the hardest, but like making it happen with a good level of execution. So in non-sloppy way at all levels is the biggest challenge for me, actually, I would say. The rest is kind of figured out. Like it's not it's yeah. not rocket science and you can get, I mean, go on the HF's YouTube channel. There's a lot of info already there. And Yeah, there's, there's such an <laughs> exactly. abundance of information compared exactly. to like 15 years ago when I was trying to figure out SEO from just like a few blogs and... Uh, yeah, today yeah. to dig the truth, it is so much easier. Even with some people who want to lead others astray and portray themselves <laughs> as like uh, bearers of some SEO secrets that no one else knows and you just need to pay them for their course to reveal all those secrets. I still think that so much useful, actionable information is out there yeah. that uh, yeah, you can easily learn it yourself. Yeah, for sure. All right. I just wanted to finish this interview asking you, like, imagine someone who's listening to this podcast who hasn't raged on Twitter, who hasn't, you know, said bad things, etc., but still feels a little bit let down with the changes at HFs. They feel like essentially you turned away from them. You, you've said it. You focus on maybe bigger sites, etc., bigger clients, etc. Now, like, uh, what do you want to tell them? What do I want to tell them? First of all, we keep creating lots of educational materials, which are completely free. We keep releasing lots of free tools and we keep man maintaining lots of free tools. For example, to check the DR, we have Website Authority Checker that is still a free tool. We have Backlink Checker that gives you top 100 Even a uh, traffic. backlinks for free. Even yeah, uh, yeah, even it, even yeah. traffic checking. We so we do we do a lot of things for free, but it's a hard question to address because uh, it's similar to asking someone who stopped paying for HRFs even before we did like any price increases. Like you just stopped paying for HRFs. What would you say for HRFs? What would you say? It's a business interaction. You yeah, either yeah. get value or not. You stopped getting value from HRFs, you stopped paying. It's not like people were supporting us as a form of charity. No, they were paying for the service. Because they got As long yeah. as they were getting the a good amount of value for their money, they were paying. When they yeah. stopped, they stopped paying. So we are maturing as a company. Uh, we need to advance. We need to advance our offering. And uh, our offering evolves to the point where we cannot just price it at just straight $99 anymore. We are advancing, we are doing more complex things, so we need to look towards people who are looking to do more complex things together with us. And like I said, it's actually good because we are vacating the part of the market to yeah. smaller tools that can also innovate in this field and that can serve those same customers just as well. Okay, well, thanks, Tim, for the interview. Hope you had fun. That was pretty cool. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, do you want to send people somewhere? Probably our YouTube channel and maybe my personal Twitter account. Uh, All right, I'm we'll on Twitter at Team Solo. <laughs> Great. Yeah, we'll throw them in the description. Thanks for joining and see you in the next episode. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really tried to be the voice of the people here and I'd love to know what you thought. So let us know in the comments on YouTube or you can tweet at us on at Hacker. 
I also want to say kudos to Tim and to Ahrefs. I mean, there's not many companies that would let me push them around the way I did, especially at the beginning of the interview, and publish that without saying anything, but they did, so they have a lot of respect for me for that. If you like this episode, don't forget to click on the like button. You can also subscribe and click on the bell if you don't want to miss our next episodes. And if you like this episode, you'll probably like this one, where I interview Brian Dean on how he grew 2DR 80 plus size that keep growing despite all the recent Google updates. It looks like nothing's happening when you look at the Ahrefs graph. I hope you enjoyed this and I'll see you in the next one.